believe that we all need to be aware of the purpose that we are here for. I'm, I'm doing a big leap from we're having this conversation about um, about not knowing your neighbors and running towards the the noise and 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 a lot of the stuff that is going on in in the world today with i mean you were sending me a lot of the stuff about the term woke hmm, yeah and and so many people and the, are, and the different versions of it yeah and so many people are talking about it and it's and the term has just been hijacked and like for me to stand up and defend something that i believe in i believe is a sense of duty running towards the the noise that is screaming for help that's a sense sense of duty it's it's what citizen century was was born yeah. out of it's how we changed the way that we that we uh, ran the motorcycle club we we wanted to build men up as opposed to breaking them down and that was for me that was a great thing because i was living my value i was living my my truth i was i was I was I was being of service to someone else. Yeah, you know I wasn't chasing everything just for myself, and I and I feel that the reason why we don't, why we have those high walls, why we, why why most people don't run towards the danger, is because they don't know how to be of service to anyone other than to themselves. I think uh, I think part of the problem is that we've 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 given up our service. The mm. government will do it for us. The mm. police will do it for us. The military will do it for us. Somebody else will do it for us. And and at some point, we have to remember that we should be able to do it ourselves and we Correct. can use their help. But it's not their job to yeah. do this. You know, it, it's our job. If we protect ourselves and our communities and we look after each other, the, the, the government has less work to do. Yeah. And if they have less to work to do, then maybe they won't fuck it up as much as they are at the moment. I'm saying, man. But if if we can if we can take away some of that stress from them, um, like we've done in 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 lots of neighbors with the improvement districts and the neighborhood watchers and the you know the paid security that looks after the streets instead of the police or at least assists the police. Yeah, it frees up the police to do other things, so they only get to be called out for the actual events rather than potential events or just irritation. Yeah, um, and I think that that's more important that we free them up to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing is we we've given up our agency to the government in every aspect of our lives. Yeah, what we eat, when we eat, if we can go out at night, if we can't go out at night. The lockdown was a severe restriction of our rules, mm. and that it was, my opinion, it was a bit of an experiment. Can they do this to us? Yep. What will we do? Yep. Will we rebel or won't we? And we didn't. Worldwide, mm. we didn't. Um, and because of that, now they think they can push us further and further away. And But again, we, we're getting sidetracked. Um, but I think that the idea that the government is your friend is not good. No, it's and, not. And the problem with the government is, although we elect the party, the individuals are elected by the party. Yeah. And that's the problem. We don't have ownership of who we elect. In South Africa, that's yeah. definitely a problem. Yeah. And and because of that, you know, we don't get to vote for Joe Bloggs. We have to vote for the party. And the party then elects whoever they want to mm. for that position. And I don't think that's right. Mm. Um, especially in the middle of voting season when they start swapping sides. Yeah. Uh, changing t-shirts. It's like you go to a soccer match, you've got 11 on each side, halfway through the game, one half of one team 
changes to the blue shirts and yeah, there's yeah. like 18 people in blue shirts and oh wow they're winning um but i don't understand how if you're a member of something how you cannot be a part of their rules and their process um and and all these court cases and shit that are happening at the moment with people getting kicked out of parties for not towing the party line yeah you're not in the right party if you're not towing the party line you're in the wrong place yeah and i do get individuality and people have changes of heart but then resign mm. and and let them do what they need to do instead of spoiling it for everybody else. Yeah, I think that uh, the idea of duty, if you if you had a look at it from the from the government side, I mean, this is definitely where I wanted the conversation to go. Was when I went to the U, the UDF meetings, when I went to the the um, the ANC meetings, the South African Congress of Schools meetings, the Mitchell's Plain Action Committee meetings, when we went again and listened to Bishop Tutu speak at the the American Methodist Church in Rocklands, we did it because it was a sense of duty. We did it because we wanted to create a, a society where everybody would have the same benefits. We didn't know some of the fuck-ups that would come because of it and we chose something that we believed was going to be the solution we didn't know that the solution that we were suggesting was going to be the worst solution we could have chosen and the fuck up was that we were kids we were kids doing what our parents were supposed to be doing yeah we 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 were politically conscientized and then we were then we assimilated and then we were indoctrinated and then we, we we came up with an idea of this is what we wanted there was a guy who was in my class um just to give context here he his name was i don't want to say his name but his surname was jacobs but he's the brother of faiz jacobs who is sort of the head of the anc in the western cape and when we got to, back then it was standard six, he, Faiz Jacobs was in um, matric. And this guy spoke as if he was sent by God himself. The way he spoke. The way he, and he was the leader of the SRC. And he left, and I think he went to go study teaching. And we were friends on Facebook when I was still on Facebook. And, and he would post something. And over the years, as time went on, he would post something about the ANC and the DA. You know, like really polarizing politics. And I would make comments. I was like, oh, fuck, you know, this is like so dumb. Why would you talk about the shit that you, are, that you believe that you are doing right rather than reminding us and your party about the shit that you're doing wrong? Because then we can hold you to account for that, that you're doing wrong. That's your fucking duty. You, you, you failed in your duty. And I think the entire ruling party, the government, they are on their last legs. The way that they are behaving, it's go check in that room, dude. Before you leave the house, look in that room. Did we take everything out of that room? Make sure. Yeah. That's that's what I'm the sense that I'm getting now. Kind of does feel like that, huh? You know, it, particularly with like, no, we're going to do the 
the the uh, state of disaster, and somebody asked me, "What do you think about it?" I said, "Well, now you you're giving them all the right to fucking close the blinds, and you can't see what's going on on the other side." Yeah, that's fucking exactly what they did. Now ESCOM doesn't have to say anything about their finances. It doesn't have to go into the public domain. And that's another failure of their duty. Yeah. You know, it's 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 another opportunity for them to fuck up. I remember being on a on a bus with Dimitri Jagels and Clarence Ford and we were doing the voter registration, Robbie Jansen was on there and and Black Noise was on there and Hilton Shoulder was performing. Uh, the real sister, like a whole lot of people, like really good musicians were performing. And we were from place to place and I mean, we were sitting outside one night and um, Robbie Jansen, as anybody will know, was a, he used to smoke weed all the time. And he's, busy rolling a fatty and he's going to smoke it and he says to us what do you believe this is for and you know we're naive we we we, we believe the bullshit yeah drank the kool-aid you know and he says you know there'll be something different next year you know and this is just this is money for him, but this is not the savior. This is yeah. not this is not the thing that's going to change anything, because you just can't fucking trust anyone. And I had a song playing in my room at the hotel. It was an Ice Cube song, and one of the lines in the song is "There'll be a new N word next year." And whenever he saw me, he said, "Remember what I said to you? There'll be a new N word next year." Fucking exactly yeah. what happened. You know, we 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 are surrounded by people who have absolutely no idea how to get to the successes that they are promising. And they don't care because they are preoccupied with getting as much out of the rooms in the house that we all live in. Yeah. And by the time we go upstairs to fucking use the toilet, we're going to be like, fuck, they even took the shutter. <laughs> They left Just nothing behind, the you know, and and standing there in in ninety one, watching Sir Ramaphosa hold the, the the microphone for Nelson Mandela. We were there on the Grand Parade. We were like twenty meters away from the the toilet roof that collapsed the first time. Before the riots, we got the fuck out of there before the riots. I just got had the opportunity to listen to him speak, and then we jumped onto the trains and we got the fuck out of there. I really thought he was going to be a good guy. Yeah. I really, really thought until Rolf Mayer stood up <laughs> and fucking vouched for him. I thought something's fucking wrong here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How the fuck is this guy vouching for this dude? Something is not right. And looking at all the stuff that has happened, they've completely failed in their duty. Yeah. We gave them that agency. We gave them everything. You're our saviors. Mm. Save us. And they didn't. They yeah. basically saved themselves and, and, and squandered everything 
and left us going but 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 we we gave you this to to help us and yeah. you haven't and you haven't. you know you've helped yourselves you've helped maybe your best friends and one or two other people um and you've sold us out to the lowest bidder yeah in, in many aspects our our everything's dysfunctional everything escom's yeah. dysfunctional the post office is stuffed um trains are stuffed buses are stuffed the private companies that are stepping in to help are having to pay bribes to stay in the business yeah. stay in the industry at least a, a, a portion of it is having to be to, to grease the wheels of of corruption and we are slowly slowly turning into a failed state you know being gray listed is not great for us no it's not it's making it harder for us to be invest to, to to entice investors in but on top of all of those things it's still an amazing place to live hey man come it on it is it's I, i've I've always said I would be the last to leave and I'd switch off the lights, but it <laughs> comes already fucked us on that. <laughs> so I'll blow out the last candle if that's okay with everybody else. Um, you know, it's it's such a weird um, thing to have that enthusiasm from when Mandela was released to the to the new vote, to the new government, to the new future, to the oh wait a minute, oh wait, what wait, mm. and here we are, nearly thirty years later, and it's. Mm. It's worse in some aspects than it was before. Yeah. Um, and it's just getting worse and worse. But again, I reiterate, I do not want to leave here. I want to stay here. Yeah. I want to start stay and try and make a difference, like I did in the eighties mm. um, when I joined the end conscription campaign and was 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 part of Black Sash's um, front line. Mm. So those things were important to me as a as a young man, as they were to you, and I still feel the same. That hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, yours obviously through the hip hop community, community. Mine was through the through the punk community, where we we wanted to smash the system and create a better system in our own in yeah. our own image. Um, and I realized that that's not potentially possible, but I understand that we could maybe bring some of the aspects of the punk life and the yeah. punk ideals to the yeah. table. And some of it worked for me. Um, and with that that those aspects that do work for me, you know, the 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 idea is that. I'll do what I want to do. Just let me do it. Mm. As long as I don't bother you. Yeah. Just let me do what I need to do. What? And it's kind of where I am now in, in most aspects of my life. I'm learning to step away from the control, step away from those who who think they can tell me what to do. Mm. Uh, which is why we stepped away from the biking because yeah. everybody else was trying to tell us what to do. Yeah. And I didn't get that and I don't understand it and I definitely don't want it. Yeah. Well, I think it's 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 bullshit. I mean, it's, if you look at that we sort of like drifting over. We talking about Eritrea, that constant search for freedom. I think when you get to to our age, you 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 want to throw off the shackles, the, all the bullshit that you don't need. You want to try and become as simple as possible. I got to be progressive. I got to be learning all the time. I got to be of service. Most importantly, I I was talking to somebody today. I said, "You're fucking in your bed." At ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, or you're drinking, or you're in a club somewhere. I'm out there sweeping the streets, bro. What are you doing? What gives you any fucking right to talk about anything that's wrong when you're not doing anything? You're not even fucking making a sandwich or giving it to the homeless. You know, in our house, everything has to, you, we we all have to be of service, in one way or another, and um. My daughter, who's still in the house with us, Sudi, she knows that. She's like, when she was chosen to be a member of RCL, I said, 
you're there to make it better. Find ways to make it better. Find ways to make the school better. Like, Dad, can you come and talk to us about that kind of thing? When can you do that? And I would go and talk to them. Nobody invests in them, so they don't know. They don't know that they're supposed to be of service as opposed to being mini police officers. And, yeah. you know, they don't know that they're supposed to carry the word of the of the student body to the faculty. They, they've got no idea because nobody's told them. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're just they're just acting out a part that they haven't been told what the part is exactly yeah. and and they don't know what the power is that they have we were talking about uh ben earlier on when i when i made mention of power perceived is power achieved it's the truth it's like if you don't know what your capabilities are you will never ever be able to say i can push the line the limit a little bit further yeah i'm in the red now but if i keep on doing what i'm doing and i become stronger eventually that red's going to become green yeah. and I'll be able to push the needle fucking all the way around. And I think that is what, what, what service is. It gives you an idea of what you're capable of. And when, when you first see how much you can do, uh, I remember the uh, Umoyo project uh, that I started before I joined the Stonecutters. And it took neighborhood watch guys from the Cape Flats to rural communities and they would patrol the farm areas at night and sometimes during the day as well in the same way that they would patrol their own neighborhoods. And these guys, they do it with their own firearms. It's their own, they carry their own rounds, the equipment that they have, they've all bought themselves. They, they've saved up and bought bulletproof vests. And then two weeks later, I get a call from one of the farmers and he's, we're coming through tonight. We're staying at, this place and we're going to come and patrol with with you guys in Mitchell's Plain or, or in Mannenberg. And that ran for like a year. It was fucking really successful. And then government and municipalities came along and now you can't do this and you can't do that. This is too much like a militia and that. And the whole fucking thing fell apart. There was no robberies or farm murders in those areas when that took place. They obviously didn't make much of a difference in the Cape Flats because it's a little bit more complex. You need to learn a lot more about the anatomy of that particular kind of crime. So they didn't. But if had they stayed for longer, we would have bridged the gap because we already did it with that group and people were of service to each other. And that's what South Africa should be. Yeah. We should be of service to each other. We should build on the back of that. Um, I heard a statistic Eight black farmers murdered since the beginning of this year. And somebody in the DA made a comment that any other government would have resigned just based off from that. And I don't think people understand quite understand, even people within the Black Cross movement, which is a movement to bring awareness about farm murders, even they don't understand that this isn't a white problem. This is a South African problem. Yeah. We've got we've got black farmers and we have colored farmers dying, we have farm workers who are dying at the hands of criminals who come and invade these farms. This is a problem. Yeah, I guess they're low-hanging fruit. They're easy, isolated, hard to re respond to quickly, so they're, they're easier targets, or, well, some of them. Food um, security is going to be a problem if we keep taking out the farmers. Yeah. And that's going to get worse and worse. I, I think as a whole, I mean, if we're talking about duty and service, and I'm looking at the South African police services and my God, how they don't 
quite understand the concept of service and duty. I mean, I've been involved in situations where policemen would not penetrate an area because they were afraid. And where I come from, have gun, will penetrate. You know, let's let's do the job. Let, let's get the job done. You know, and, and, and I don't understand where they fit into the solution. I mean, and we're supposed to teach our kids about this. Yeah. When you're in trouble, call a policeman. I think that, that one of the biggest issues we have is that, you know, they've been given this like uh, agency, no, that's no, not wrong. They, they are employed to do a job mm. and the laws are specific. They are point, point based. You can, that is the law. This is the law. And then you have experts who are not experts in any way or form, sarcasm here. Mm. They take those laws and they interpret them. Mm. Okay. So police officer is not allowed to carry hollow points. So he says, you're not allowed to carry hollow points. So then he brings that over to and the And he civilian. says it's illegal. Yeah, and he says that's illegal. So then he wants to confiscate them or whatever, which is also illegal. Mm. So it's kind of, but again, know your law if you're going to throw it at people and understand that if it's wrong, you're gonna, it's going to cost us, the people, money because you're going to get sued for it. Yeah. You know, the wrongful death, the wrongful, wrongful um, incarceration, all of those things that have happened over the last couple of years I think they've spent more money on paying victims out who were victims of police violence and police brutality and, and, and police wrongfully arrest. They've spent more money on that than they have on training in weapons for the last couple of years. It feels like at least uh, every time I read it, something else, they're paying somebody else a couple of million rand for a mistake that they made when it could have just been a quim quick question. Are you sure about that rule? Are you sure about that law? Okay, let's just check with somebody who knows it rather than in yeah. trying to interpret it and enforce something that is actually not right. Um, but yeah, we, we, lost, we lost the idea that they serve the people mm. and they've almost become that they serve the government and they serve themselves, it seems, yeah. rather than us. You know, civil servants, they're not civil <laughs> and they're definitely not serving us in any way or form, which is unfair because that's what you're employed for. Correct. Um, and, you know, if you if, if I'm a tattoo artist and you come to me and I don't do tattoos anymore, but I'm employed as a tattoo artist and you pay me to be a tattoo artist, but I don't do tattoos anymore, then what am I? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the problem is we need to remind people um, that they have a duty and the duty is to the people, yeah. not necessarily to the government. I don't know what I don't know where where it will land, but I, I do believe that we have enough good people in South Africa who would want to make a difference. And I'm not even talking about um sort of like action essay or uh outer or any of those. Just like normal people, like basic doing normal stuff. You know, I'm reminded of places like I think it's Hannah's Hope. It's a married couple who takes care of babies who are orphans. Um, they're from Cape Town. Fantastic. Great, great job. Um, there's um, Each One Teach One, which is a, a concept which, that was actually a slogan by the UDF. Yeah, I remember but that. It's become these kids who I'm good at, 
history or business sciences and I will do to you for free. I know it. I'm going to teach you what I know so that you can become better at it. No one's talking about that. Yeah. You know, everybody's talking about all of these other fucking people who are looking for um, their place in the spotlight. You know, uh, a while back I wrote a series of articles on Facebook. The articles are still available. And I was writing a truth of, of what I understood from, from the time when I stepped in around about 1985, 86. And I was talking from, from the position of, you had 1984 all the way through to, let's say 2006. That's a fucking lot of years. If you had to look at it, how many other people came out of that environment successfully? I was talking to a guy called Hammer, and Hammer was an MC for a group called Rasefani Kap. He and I was part of a, a hip-hop group um, for an organization called the Zulu Nation. He had nothing but horrible things to say about the people who, who create themselves as leaders in our community, of service to our community. The unknown, the people who don't know, they listen to these guys, and they're like, oh, this guy's great. I mean, it's, they do great things. Everything that they do is in service of themselves. You know, I mean, if I, if I had to take Emil Jansen, I mean, this guy had no concept of Cape Flats colloquialism. You know, myself and another guy called uh, Gavin, we joined the group so that they could get more street cred. It wasn't the quintessential hip-hop act. We joined because they wanted to change that image. And we taught him the words that came from our neighborhood. And today, he's the authority on that language. We doesn't have an idea of how it grows and how it is real. The guy from that, that used to make the t-shirts and shit that had the shop in, 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 in Canal Walk, um, I said to him one day, the language that you use, it belongs to all of us. You're making money off from it. Um, that's not a service to the people. It's not a service to us. How many of our kids are you putting through uh, university? Or how many how many times are you paying for school fees for a kid who's got great potential, but, but their parents can't pay for school fees? That's a service. You're using what is ours, and you're not creating a service. You're not making anything better with what you have. It's sort of where the concept or the, or the discussion around white privilege came about. And people were like, yeah, you know, we all we all privileged, and I still believe that we are all privileged. You know, I mean, you have male privilege, you have straight privilege, you have whatever, whatever kind. If you're on the inside track of that little community, then you're privileged. Yeah. And the 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 best way to make that work for you is you have to be of service. You have to use what your advantage is to make it better for everyone else. Yeah. I think that's that's sort of where where I end. And I can't see myself sitting with that skill while I can still move and operate and keep my community and my neighborhood and my country safe. I can't see myself just sitting on the couch getting fat and watching TV when I have that available to me. You know, sort of, I had that same concept when I was like talking to kids. What do you want to do? I want to be a filmmaker. If 
Fuck it, Dan's a filmmaker. Dan, can you talk to this kid? You know, um, this kid wants to be um, a tattoo artist. Simon is there. This kid wants to go and fucking climb mountains. Hagen is the is is a great resource from from Outward Bound. Um, use what you have to make the place better. Leave it better than what you found it. Yeah, I agree with you there definitely. We 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 hear to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And if we don't make a difference, we wasted our time. Mm. I think that if you if you take the world, just take from the world and don't give anything back, then you are a leech. Yeah. You need to be able to give some sustenance back to the world, some growth that you can leave behind. And and, and that service that you do is your legacy. Yeah. Not your what music you made or what paintings you painted or tattoos you did or buildings you built or any of those things. That's not your legacy. Yeah. Your legacy is the things that people remember you fondly for helping them with or, mm. or building a community rather than, than, a, than a building, uh, building a relationship with somebody who really was struggling or building a safer neighborhood. Or Those are the things that you are worthy of, that should be worthy of your attention mm-hmm. rather than building your ego on your Instagram and Facebook oh, and, okay. and uh, blah, blah, blah. You know that. Yeah, nonsense. I, w- I was reminded of it when when my dad passed away, and my mom said, "We'll we'll use our church uh, or her church." Sorry, she said that her church would be big enough, and when we reassessed everything, we were like, "Okay, no, it's not going to be big enough. We'll move it to another church," which was maybe three or four times bigger than her church. The morning when we got there, there was already 40, 50 people standing outside, waiting to go inside. By the time we had gotten into church, I was the last one to walk in. I walked in behind the the coffin, and it was a struggle to get down the aisle because people were standing everywhere. There 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 was people everywhere. I walked up to the front when I needed to do the eulogy and I looked out over the sea of faces and I'm, I knew 90% of the people that was there, but the place was packed. It dawned on me that this is what legacy is because my dad touched every single person in that place in one way or another. Yeah. He helped somebody. He gave advice to somebody. He built something. He repaired something. He he uh, counseled them. I can only hope that when I go, that I would be of service in that way. Yeah, you can fill a room as big as that. You know, yeah. I do think that those days are are gone. I th- and I don't think it's it's be- you know that we won't be able to fill a room. Um because we are bad people. It's just people interact yeah. with each other differently these days. I mean, I hate WhatsApp. I hate yeah, fucking too. talking on it. I hate commenting on it. Um, one of our friends called today and said, yeah, I haven't made contact with him. I said, fuck it, what's wrong with your phone? Doesn't know how to, doesn't only, know how to dial only, my it number. Only, it only works one way, yeah. It only you receives know, calls, yeah. And, and, realistically is, is if you're so wrapped up in your own shit and you can't reach out 
then I don't want to talk to you on, on, on WhatsApp. I want to see you yeah. and I want to talk to you and I want to interact with you. That's the only way that I'm going to get a sense of what's really going on. Because otherwise, I'm, I've got to interact with this other bullshit and yeah. I won't know of how I can be of service yeah. to you. you, you you're you interacting with a filter and a distraction that is not, there's not enough information in that. Mm. Um, a, a sentence, and if, if you're in a bad mood and you read that sentence, you may read it with a negative voice or a negative inference. And it might not be a negative comment. Mm. It might be sarcasm. It might be made in jest and you take it badly and then you don't speak to them for five weeks and then all of a sudden you don't speak to each other for six months. And Damn. then it's five years and then you've lost a friend uh, purely because you're in a bad mood on the day when you read the message that was intended to be funny or not. Yeah. Uh, and and, and, I, and I, I'm saying this with experience. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. In, in, in summarizing it all, which I think we've done pretty, as always, just be a fucking good guy. Yeah. Don't be a dick. If you say you're going to do something, do it. I can do it. Yeah, that is the most important thing. Yeah. I think for now, modern man, all we have left is our word. Everything else has been taken away from us. Everything is mm. stripped down to the bone. And people that can't even hold on to their word and their worth, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. Um, and we are only as good as our bond. What do we say we're going to do? We need to do it. Um, even if you change your mind and you work your way away from a situation, you need to go back and say, listen, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I'm moving forward. I'm moving sideways. I'm doing something else, but don't let people hang. Don't leave them standing there waiting for you to turn up um, in a situation when you're not going back. You're done. Mm. And I think that's important. That's super important. I agree with you 100%. In, in talking about duty, you are busy with the project to memorialize your dad i am yes i uh, when my father passed a couple of years ago he i went through his stuff and we were going through photographs and sort of just having a the entire family all 13 14 of us that are that are here in the cape we sat down and we went through the photo albums and you know reminisced about certain times and places and i found photographs of my dad running which amazed me. I didn't know my dad ran. Um, he, he never like he never spoke about it. Well, it, it, looking back at the dates, I was overseas at that time, okay. uh, and he and I had a very strenuous relationship at yeah. that point. Um, I was a bit of a dick, um, <laughs> and because of that, it, it only really dawned on me when I had kids, when when my son was born. I kind of realized that. He didn't know what he was doing. Just mm. like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. He made mistakes. I've made mistakes. But I never let him get close to me because I felt that he made too many mistakes mm. around me. And when I found these these photographs of him running and then my mom told me that he, no, he did this and he did this. And here's a look, here's a bag of medals and badges. Mm. And I went through the stuff and I found out that he'd done the Two Oceans Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only had he done it, he'd done it in five and a half hours, which is pretty oh, wow. impressive. Um, and I thought perhaps because I'd started to connect with him before he got lost into Alzheimer's, I had started to connect. Yeah. And then that was taken away from me. And that, that I regret. I regret that massively that I never got a chance to connect and to say all the things that I should have said. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, 
those are the choices I made, the choices he made, and we, we moved apart because of it. But again, as I said, when my son was born, we sort of stepped back together. We started to play golf together. I got a little bit of an understanding of him as the man mm-hmm. rather than the the father. He was 20 years old when I was born. He was a he was a kid. Yeah. Um, so he didn't understand. I didn't understand. And which which is sorry to cut your word, which is weird because when you were 20 years old, he was 40 or 40 yeah. something or whatever. So, so the gap at that point isn't that that huge. No, not at all. I'm friends with 20 year olds now and, yeah. and we're on a similar wavelength. Whereas my father and I were nowhere, nowhere in close, not even on the same page. Also different life. Yet yeah, completely. Life, Absolutely. Um, struggles. Different, different lives completely. And uh, so with the project that I'm doing, it's called adventure before dementia. All right. Um, I'm genetically predisposed probably to for dementia for Alzheimer's, so I'm a yeah, little I've bit nervous. I'm already. a little bit nervous about it. I've definitely seen it in you. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, but that being said, I feel that in in my in my running career, which has developed in the last couple of years, I've been able to connect with him as a runner, which has been very strange. Before he passed, I was. We were estranged very much so. I couldn't speak to him. I couldn't understand him. He couldn't understand me. Mm. He was locked in in his dementia. And almost the day that he died, once he'd been released and he became, you know, back with the ether and back Mm. into the spirit world, depending on what your beliefs are, that when he went back to the creator or wherever he would be, um, I can now speak to him and I can hear him. Mm. And it's a very strange experience for me being is that I'd never really had much of a father figure at that up to that point. Mm-hmm. And obviously everything I know about being a father, I got from TV movies. I don't know. It was weird. Mm. I mean, I learned to set, shave from watching Mel Gibson in some TV show. I can't even <laughs> remember what it was. I was like, what do you mean you shave with the grain? I didn't know that. Yeah. Why did nobody tell me these things? Um, but I've told my son, so that's fine. I've, I've, I have explained it to him. You've broken the cycle. I have, yeah. I'm trying to. It's, that is part of the process is to break that cycle. But yeah, the project is to to try run the two oceans in my father's honor. Um, I've been doing a lot of training and, and getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to happen the day after this podcast comes out. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes. I'll let you know on the next one. But that has definitely given me a connection to the duty I owe my father. Yeah. And this is me paying him back for the idea of who I am in spite of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily a negative way, but I think that it's given me an opportunity to address some of the negativity I have around that relationship and turn it into a positive thing. Um, I'm not bitter, but I'm not completely forgiving yet, Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm working on it, and and I think that the the connection will be when I can run that route that he ran, um, in, in a similar speed. I hope um, I'll be able to connect more, and then I'll be able to move forward. Um, mm. I kind of feel like I need to put a cork in this bottle uh, and then move on. You know, throw that message in a bottle back into the sea and yeah. let it float. Well, we'll support you with whichever way we can. Um, I, I'm amazed with the progress that you've made so far. 
um, particularly because it was outside of your comfort zone, I think. I, I, I put myself so far out of my comfort zone. Um, as we were discussing earlier, the, if you're not testing yourself, if you're not pushing the boundaries, mm. and, and with this, I have pushed so far beyond those boundaries. For me, I, I've never been able to run more than 100 meters, and even then I'd probably puff and, and mm. whine for hours afterwards. Now I'm running 50, 60 Ks, and it's that's crazy. That's for fun. That's crazy. Um, and, and, but again, I reiterate, I am not a runner. I am somebody <laughs> who runs occasionally, <laughs> but I do not identify as a runner. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, thank you for joining me once again uh, and shooting the shit with me. I think in closing, if we don't, if we don't rise to do the hard jobs, we'll get the government that we deserve. Yeah. We'll pay the fucking higher rates and the taxes and that kind of stuff. What you were saying about engaged citizenship, you got to rise up, and very importantly, you got to know your laws. You got to know what they are telling you you cannot do and why they are doing that. If you listen to people like um, J.P. Smith and those guys, they they're very good at that language, that bylaw language, and you you it is your duty to know what that means so that you are able to 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 mount a defense against the stuff that they are saying you know it, it, it's because you're going to be forced to do stuff that you don't want to do um and again it feels like they looking for places to yeah, get yeah. shit because yeah, yeah. all the wells are drying up yeah, yeah. Let's um, just, just let's try and drag some more money out of this process let's try and drag but you know in in response to all of those things rise up we need to make sure that we say no when it's supposed to be no and engage when we're supposed to engage ultimately definitely red brother thank you and good it's luck pleasure. with the two oceans yeah, thanks man 56 k's yeah back in the park. <laughs>